The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we have a lot of Austin FC news to cover. We will also talk about Austin's 1-1 road draw in Miami. And then we'll be joined by Jaime Macias from Apple TV to preview Austin FC's upcoming match against Minnesota United. My name, my name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We're recording this show on July 3rd, which means this show will come out on July 4th. I feel like we've done this for a couple of years now. We've we've got an experience where we've talked about our 4th of July. So I believe you have no traditions. I believe we've learned that I like have my childlike love of blowing things up with an adult income. <laughs> so like I've, there's a little bit over the top. Uh, fireworks show is probably going to happen around 8 o'clock tomorrow night in my neighborhood. Um so this year, like I wanted to ask, like, do you have maybe like movies or songs or shows or is like anything you watch that's like particular this time of year that you check out? No, I mean my life was like um pretty unpredictable for a lot of my twenties. And so I was not in the US for certain July 4ths. And then we've also like since we've been in Austin, we've left the country for July 4th a couple of times, which has been kind of fun. Spent July 4th in Mexico, which was fun <laughs> well so what is does anybody else care about that like all i see is you know like my son keeps sending me memes of you know this being an anti-british holiday and not a pro-american holiday it's like if you're in mexico <laughs> does anybody care if you're in spain does anybody care we did not see anything anybody talking about it or anything referencing it really so i don't probably not um we did we were in uh in Ireland a couple of Thanksgivings ago and found this restaurant and went and had lunch and they got really excited that we were there on Thanksgiving day because they had, they had made pecan pie, especially for that day. And they were so excited to have Americans in the restaurant. Just just, just hoped an American would show up to eat it. (laughs) Gosh, man. And among your Thanksgiving things like pecan pie is, I mean, I think it's popular because it's easy and it's really super sugary and not all that good right like that's not what i want to export out of i think holiday. a good a good pecan pie is good but it it is yeah i mean even a bad one is still full of sugar and pecans which are things i really like and pie crust <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah i i like a, a good solid pecan pie is is one of my favorite holiday desserts actually well my, my holiday tradition for this holiday is to watch the movie independence day which i have watched before we recorded this show so i'm very excited now <laughs> And I will probably watch again tomorrow morning. And then depending upon how things go tomorrow night, I might watch again for the third time on tomorrow night. So, so the, thir- the third segment of today's show is going to be your review and recap of Independence Day. It, it will be me uh, doing my own version of the president's speech from Independence Day from memory. And we'll just see how that goes. Probably a good time for everybody else to tune out. All I can remember um, is welcome to Earth. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's set that whatever that one Quaid is does a great job of that. <laughs> the first time okay. Will Smith was like Jack. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of Ireland, <laughs> let's talk about John Gallagher being an all star. How about that? Let's do it. Uh, this was a surprise, I think, for me and for John and for probably a lot of people. Yeah. So John uh, selected one of, and the thing about this all star game that no other American all star game has is that there's only one team. So it's not like an East versus West, American League versus National League, right. uh, U.S. versus the world, whatever it might be, right? I mean, so it's pretty exclusive to be an all-star. And for a guy that does not have a lot of name recognition, you know, and it has 
and is having a really good year, but isn't like doesn't have eye popping stats to be able to make an All Star team is incredible. So um, yeah, John Gowler is one of the 26 players selected the league's All Star roster, second ever Austin FC player joining Sebastian Andrusi last year. But I mean, what a really cool deal for him to be included in this team. Absolutely, yeah. To to go from a guy who's just like moving around the world just to get minutes essentially to being an MLS all-star and, and such a good guy too. Like I, I'm, I'm, I would be happy for any Austin FC player, but like, of just like people that I'm rooting for, like John Gallagher is up there on this team. So I'm really happy for him. Yeah. It's amazing. And as always the, uh, the social media and video team did a really good job of doing a highlight uh, video, you know, around him and sort of celebrating his success. So it's like, you just can't feel better for anybody than for John Gallagher. So it's just, Super cool that he makes it, and he will be um, he'll be at the match um, in DC on July nineteenth. Uh, we have another All Star in the Austin FC family as well. Irvin Torres will be in the MLS next All Star game. Uh, he is a U sixteen player playing in the combined U sixteen U seventeen team. Uh, this I y'all have heard me talk about him on the show. I'm I'm again also very excited for him. This is a kid who. Uh, has a lot of potential and I'm really excited to see where he'll go. So it'll be fun to see him representing Austin and playing against some of the other best talent in, in that league. Yes. This one's is what's it's on the 19th. So it's a couple days before um, this one is East versus West. Uh, the game will be at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. So just down the road from DC United and f- folks that want to check it out can see, can watch it. Um, Streamed live from MLS Next TikTok account with m- multiple access of points. <laughs> I may not be watching it that way. Hopefully, there's some other way to watch it, or, or else have to see the highlights from somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, it's really good for him. And what he's so to, he's the he was called up for both the U.S. and Mexican international teams, right? So right, but recently actually went to a camp with the U.S. So it seems like maybe he's leaning that way, but who knows? Uh, he, he's getting attention from both. In any case. So it shows super talented guy or kid, I guess at this point, um, <laughs> it should be exciting to watch on TikTok or somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> and other player news, like Brad Stuver was again nominated for the second year in a row for the humanitarian of the year award um, from the ESPYs, which if you remember when we talked about it last year, um, he is the f- first and only major league soccer player ever to be nominated for the award, which the, this award is for uh, players who demonstrate continuous leadership and measured positive impact on their community through sport. So it's really cool that he is nominated as a finalist for this again. And hopefully this is one of these things where the second or second time's a charm, or if not, maybe the third time's a charm. It's really cool to see him get this kind of recognition. He's an amazing human. Uh, and we'll find out uh, on July 12th, whether or not he is the winner of this award. I, so I think he had to miss the ceremonies last year because he got COVID. <laughs> and then oh, we right. have a game the night of the ceremonies this year. And so I... I would guess he wouldn't miss a game to go, but maybe. I don't know. Do you like, I don't know. Well, hey, here's something else he's going to be doing. The very next day, he is the chair of the Austin Soccer Foundation Gala at the South yeah. Congress Hotel on the 13th. So he's going to be a busy dude. So yeah, if he wins, he may not be around again. Hopefully, this is not one of these awards where it counts against you if, if you're not on site. But yeah, uh, was it Board of Trustees for, for Equality Texas, uh, Ambassador for Athlete Ally, involved with Laundry Project, which we know a lot about. Um, just all around the city, just an incredible dude. All right, do you want to talk? Where are we going to go here? I don't, like the big news is going to be the general manager. Do you want to yeah. get into that, or do you uh, want let's let's save that for last? Let's save that for okay, last. We have an, an, another player update. Musa Jite, um, 
we knew his loan with Ajaxio was ending at the end of June. Today on Monday, we got an announcement that he has another loan to Bandirmaspor, which is a second div- division Turkish team, and that will go through next June. And so, I mean, didn't have a great season in France. I don't think he ended up even playing a ton. He hasn't, hasn't played since March, I don't think, if I remember right, from looking up his game logs from last week. Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of people in in Austin who were kind of hoping he would maybe come back, like it would work out somehow. I understand that from, like, the kid has potential, um, a lot of upside, and had some, like, some fun moments for the team last year. And I think a lot of people were rooting for him. But, like, I I didn't expect to see him come back, but I also am, like, kind of glad he's not coming back because as much potential as he had, as, as exciting as he was in moments, he is still, like, a pretty big maybe. And I don't think like the few changes that Austin can afford to make in this window. Like, I don't think we can afford any other maybes. We need some, some sure things. If this team is actually going to improve any. Yeah. We can get into this a little bit just in terms of available, but we will get into this in a little bit in terms of available spots. Um, so ultimately probably the final tally on Musa GTA is 30 appearances for the club, 12 starts, five goals, two assists, three of those goals all being on the same night, which I think is what everybody remembers. You know, I guess my question for you is in retrospect, would you have rather kept Musa GTA around as opposed to bring in Will Bruin? I, I don't um, think you'd have both of them on the roster. Having both of them on the roster would kind of be a mistake, but like given the either or, if you had the gift of hindsight, like what would you do with that third striker spot? I mean, if it's, if like money isn't a thing, I would take Musa GTA, but like to, there's always there's always a trade off on the accounting department of it all, and so like that part of it makes it more complicated. And like Will Bruin is is here to do exactly what Will Bruin was hired to do, which is play 300 minutes this year and go on at trash can time at the end of a game to try to get a goal back. Um, I don't think Musa Jite would have been happy with that role. And I don't think a, a kid that young should be in that role. Like he needs to go. I mean, he, it's better than what he was getting in France, it looks like. But um, like he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play. And I don't think like he's he's definitely going to get that in Austin right now. And so, I, yeah, all things equal and like not considering any of that. I think Musa Jite is like a, a a more exciting and higher upside player, even just this year than Will Bruin is probably. But um, I, I think there's just a lot of reasons why it doesn't make sense to have him. All right, I guess one more piece of news before we get into the sporting director discussion is Damian Loss was the MLS Next Pro midseason goalkeeper of the year. So he was awarded the goalkeeper of the month from March, April. Um, he has seven clean sheets for the team's first 16 matches, 80% save percentage. Like he seems to have been a very strong MLS Next Pro player at a very young age. So it's good to see him get that recognition. In addition to, we talked about this a little bit last week, but in addition to him being a participant in goalie wars, like it's just good to see Austin FC players get that recognition. And he also obviously he had a great match um this week. What was that? Was that on Friday night? Friday when night Austin, against yeah, RSL, Friday, yeah. Against RSL, which I watched a little bit of it. I was a little bit overwhelmed by the uh poor camera um <laughs> yeah. effects on that match. Um, but Austin won that match in PKs to stay, I believe, in second in the Western Conference in Next Pro. But it's just great to see Damon Loss. I'm continuing to be recognized from the league and that he rocks the pink kit too. Like, I just want to say like almost every picture of him, 
You see him in the Pink Keeper kit, and it kind of makes me want one. Look great. Even looks great. Even more than seeing Brad in it. So he looks great. So let's okay. Now let's get into the big news of the week. Okay. So Austin FC now has a new sporting director. Uh, his name is Rodolfo Borrell. He's coming to us from, which is very weird to say, coming to us from Manchester City, formerly of uh, Liverpool. Before that, at FC Barcelona, you may have heard of some of these teams. Uh, this is a strange, a strange turn of events that I was not expecting. Uh, we can get into who Borrell is, what we think about this, but I think first we should maybe talk a little bit about the Josh Wolf press conference that happened earlier in the week or the week before, because there's a lot of interesting information that came out of that as well. Yeah, for sure. This this was the midweek press conference from last week. Um, And he talked about... So we had a little bit ahead of this with our interview last week, right? When we talked to Chris Whittingham, who who said when he talked to Josh, Josh seemed to indicate that like... He's tired of being a sporting He was tired. He was tired, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah, and so Josh talks. So he he so he said that in the midweek press conference, um, he specifically talked about Claudio being away. How it both stopped some things that the club had planned to do, both incoming and outgoing. Um, and when people asked about outgoing, I think somebody asked specifically about Alex Ring, and he, he didn't really deny that Alex Ring kind of wanted to be out. Yeah. Um, what I do you think that about was that? Very interesting. So I mean, we've we've all been like confused about like why was Alex ring all of a sudden not the captain anymore? Why wasn't he starting in those preseason games? Like what happened? And so I, I make fun of Austin FC fans for writing fan fiction about this team all the time. Here's Landon's fan fiction on the Alex ring situation. Alex ring put in a transfer request over the, the, the winter, uh, that is in the works. They're trying to to find somewhere else to move him. Claudio Reyna resigns. That move falls apart. A guy who was like about to leave, and then it becomes hard to make him your captain. And then all of a sudden he's still here. And then all of a sudden we're without a center back. And now he's a week in, week out starter again. Like, do you think that sounds realistic or reasonable for like that to have been what went on? I mean, I think that's the most realistic scenario given those comments given sort of the rumors we've heard about the relationship between ring and wolf and given like me trying to talk to a very grumpy alex ring on saturday night in the q2 club when he wasn't uniform um <laughs> like those combined set effects like i mean that seems to be a a plausible scenario that uh that has come out of this and especially for like josh who is super protective of not not giving out information to kind of leak something out like means that it has to be pretty pretty serious and i thought the other thing that worried me, me out of that press conference was when he talked about like ah oh, we'll just like give kippy a chance and see if we need to sign another center back yeah he said like yeah we're looking at things said plates are spinning again use that that exact phrase again uh but was saying like maybe it's a like a short-term loan within the league or whatever but he he yeah he threw out the chance like maybe we don't sign anybody which is scary but also like I understand what he means by that because you have this new sporting director coming in. We have Julio Cascante and Leo Weissenden on long-term contracts at the moment. And so to bring in somebody on another long-term contract who like, are you bringing in a starting level person? Because that's taking up a big chunk of salary cap, maybe tying up 
uh, roster spots and cap space that you would rather your new sporting director use to sign one of his guys. Um, and so like, I get it, like not, not trying to tie your hands too much in the transfer window. And so like, maybe they're going to roll with, with Cascante ring and, and Kip Keller. But I mean, I have seen a lot of Kip Keller this season and I am not excited about the prospect of him potentially starting (laughs) any more than one or two games for the rest of the year. Well, yeah. So for me, like this only is okay. If what we've heard about Leo Weissen being out for three months, which would have as of last report, we should have him back in early September, which is shortly after the end of leagues cup is true. Cause I cannot imagine going into the run at the end of the season Giving, given the 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 center back pairing, center back grouping that Austin has right now, and then yeah, you know, plus I mean, Ambro Tarek is also like a gigantic wasted senior roster spot at this point in time too. I can't ever imagine seeing that guy on the field. It's like, how much can you afford to invest in that and kill your flexibility anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. So it it's tough. Like I I, it's not ideal. It's not what I want to hear. I'd rather than be able to magically bring in a starting level center back. But I also understand why it's complicated. At the moment, and I just hope that um, Ring and Cascante are able to stay healthy, or that they're able to figure out something short term, maybe even just to bring in someone else who can start there and not make me very nervous. All right, why is that guy not Ruben Gabrielson too? By the way, there was a little bit of there was a, like a moment of excitement oh. from fans <laughs> on from like one Instagram post. I mean, yeah. I love the guy, and I will forever miss the guy. But to quote Rick Patino. Ruben Gabriel is not walking through that door. Like it's just something we all have to let go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I, he tagged the club in a, in an Instagram post and some fans got excited, but like yeah. there, there were very specific reasons why he wanted to go home. And those reasons I'm sure have, have not, not changed. changed and same thing with, with Musajite. And so like, yeah, he's not coming back as much as we wanted to. He's not coming back. All right. Let's get into Roto is Verde. Do you want to go over kind of what you know about the guy? I think you've done more research than I probably have. Yeah, so Rodolfo Burrell, he spent a long time in Barcelona's academy. And so kind of worked his way up the ranks there, ended up being the head coach of their U18 team, then uh, went to Greece for a year. And I think he was an assistant coach and, and doing some technical stuff there as well. And then Rafa Benitez brought him into the staff at Liverpool and specifically with the task of overhauling their academy and ended up uh, like it was a pretty drastic change what he, what him and his team there were able to do in a short time. And I, you were you were reading off some of the players who came through when he was in charge of that academy. Do you want to list some of those? Yeah. So I think the two as a Liverpool fan, the two that are most notable are uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I think was like seven when he joined the academy uh, <laughs> and Raheem Sterling. And then also Connor Cody, who I'd almost forgotten. I went through Liverpool Academy. They started like 250 Premier League games, I think mostly for Wolves, but like a solid contributor are some of the names that in the, what, four or five years that Burrell was there in overall the academy. And that academy structure and system has continued to be in place. And Liverpool still cranks uh, a fair amount of players onto the first team and selling another teams in the league based sort of upon that rebuild that he did. Uh, when 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 Benitez brought him in, yeah, and so he was there for uh, I think it was two years or no, sorry, uh, like three or four years there, and then based on the work that he did there, he was brought over to Manchester City by 
Cheeky Bagiristein. I only mention his name because it's a fun name to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I did not see that one coming, but yeah, go ahead. Cheeky is uh, in basket just means small. And so it's like tiny or something would be the nickname. Uh, but it was brought over based on his work at Liverpool and also knew him from, they were both at Barca at the same time. And so brought him over uh, and was working with the academy. And then whenever Pep came in, Pep brought him, I think Pep knew him from the Barca days as well and brought him into the first team technical staff and was an assistant coach for the treble that they just won. Um, what I don't know what your thoughts were like when this got announced, but I was like, okay, yeah, this is like big name teams, like the pedigree of, of working at Premier League clubs at Barcelona. Um, like these are big teams, but like this is a guy who has not ever been a sporting director and has not done this job, has never been the one in charge of like bringing in guys, negotiating contracts, doing all this. Like he's never done any of that. And so I was like, I don't know what I think about this guy doing more, more research. I was like, just reading through, I just, I just Googled his name plus entrevista, like interview, but in Spanish, just to see what would pop up to see where you find interviews with him. But what I found more of were interviews with other really prominent people in world soccer, mentioning him in their stories and like taking talking about their own success and bringing this guy's name up in their own success stories, which I thought was really encouraging. Some of those are Gerard Piquet. Uh, he, he was Piquet's first coach in the Barca Academy and Piquet's parents tell a story about um, Borel telling them like, your son is going to be a star. Like you need to know that. And like, nobody else thought that at the time, nobody else was telling them that he's like, no, no, no. your son's going to be a star. Cesc Fabregas tells a story about when he was 14 in the Barca Academy, um, his parents got a divorce and Borel found this out and was talking to him. He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I know you're going through a tough time. I'm really proud of you that you're like, your form hasn't dropped. Your focus hasn't changed. And that's like, that's what it takes to be a pro. And so they were in a tournament in Italy and, um, Pep Guardiola was playing in Italy at the time. And so Burrell got Pep to sign a Barca jersey for Sesc, a 14-year-old Sesc, and gave it to him. And on the jersey, he signed it like, I hope to see you in the Camino wearing number four. And so Sesc like, had this thing from when he was a kid. And then a few years later is playing in the Camino wearing the number four. And like... Uh, Mark Bartra was uh, a guy who played for Barca and for Dortmund and was playing in Europe for a long time. Tells a story like when he was 16 in the academy, that Borrell was his coach there and like sat them th that team down and was like, okay, this is this is where it changes. Like, this is your hobby. You need to start treating it like a job. And like, this is where you can really make the difference. And he's like, I'll never forget that. And like changed everything, how I thought about what I was doing. And I was like reading these stories and was like, okay, I'm I'm excited about this guy now. <laughs> I was kind of excited about this guy, but these stories are amazing. Uh, it's so good. Like, I guess the the big hesitation is that we've seen people come from successful international clubs in the past to Major League Soccer and not understand sort of the weirdness and oddities of this league and have failed. Although there have been guys who have succeeded too, but I'd say like generally. The trend is that somebody who comes in from the outside and doesn't know a lot about this league 
has not succeeded because there's just like nobody has a Manchester City budget, right? Um, yeah. It's like my 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 thought on that was like the most important thing is that you have to know what you know and know what you don't know and have the ability to be humble. And like from here, you tell these stories. Like it feels like a guy that's not just going to be coming and be arrogant and say like. I know soccer. This is this is this is my way. This is my league. We're gonna build this way, and then like lock Austin into a series of um, decisions that prevent them from having future success. Um, and also, the other piece of that news is that Sean Rubio is going to stick around and get a promotion. It's yeah. probably a really really strong combination out of this because I feel like Sean is a guy that knows the league and the rules and the intricacies of it better than anybody else, and if Varel is like great at identifying talent and great at leading and motivating and also seems willing to listen. Like this is, it's um, a hire that's beyond what the ambition that I expected out of this club, honestly. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of people who have come over to MLS as coaches or players or in front offices from Europe and have failed, I think some, like some of them have been, like their names were bigger than their resumes, if that makes sense. Like this guy, like Borel has, he's not like an ex player that got into a sporting director job or whatever, because he's a famous player. This is a guy who's been like grassroots doing the work at a really high level for 25 years or something like that. And was never given that because of a big name or because of a playing career. He did it because he started out at like, you Barcelona U11s like that was his first Barcelona job according to Wikipedia and then built his way up to being an assistant coach at Manchester City strictly based on relationships he built and his body of work throughout that time and so I think yeah there is still reason to be carefully optimistic about this because of his lack of experience in some of these other areas like some of the stuff that a sporting director is going to be expected to do and the weirdness of doing those things in MLS, but just the fact like his eye for talent, credibility with players, and just a guy who's been doing the work at a super high level for so long, that is all very encouraging. And so, yeah, like you said, I hope, I hope in, him and Sean Rubio can put together a little dream team and, and turn the ship around. <laughs> all right. So let's talk what we expect to see like now and maybe just down there a little bit. Obviously we have a summer transfer window that opens the day after the show comes out, um, Austin has one senior roster spot available, temporarily two, with um, Kolmanich being uh, on the season in- season ending injury list. And obviously, you can like maybe players go out to free him up. But what do you expect? Oh, we we didn't say this, but he starts July first. I don't believe he's in country yet, but like you can start your sporting director job from anywhere. So yeah. he's, if he's officially the sporting director of Austin FC as of right now, like. What do you expect out of this window? What what do you expect out of this window? And what do you think would be smart out of this window? Yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of fans are going to be excited to get him in and see what he can do, but like this job is is a long-term planning kind of job. I would expect not to see a ton of of movement in this window that's and like whatever movement does come, like may not may not be like a direct effect of like whatever he's doing, whatever he's capable of. Uh, this, I think like really what, like the main effect he's going to have is going to come six months to a year from now. And so maybe like just the sheer network that he has 
maybe somebody does come in this this summer that like he just knows somebody's available and is able to call him and talk to him right now and bring him in but i would say like yeah he he's probably not going to have time to do a ton of work this summer yeah and i really i, I hope everybody appreciates that and because we think we believe at the end of this year there's going to be a fair amount of of contracts ending and players rolling off and opportunities for transfers and really his biggest chance to make a difference is going to be in the in the winter when there's more flexibility because I think the worst thing that Austin could do right now is like make decisions that impede the ability to have roster flexibility down the road. Like it's, yeah, I think Austin is exactly who they are. Austin's a six to 10th place team in the West that hopefully has a series of good performances and like limps into the playoffs right now. And I don't think there's anything that Austin could do during the summer that could fundamentally change that. So I think his best opportunity for success is to kind of, observe and learn for the rest of the season and then build this roster during the off season. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was what we think this means for Josh Wolf. Uh, I like personally, I'm like very at ease about the whole Josh Wolf situation. And like, it doesn't matter if I think he's a good coach. It doesn't matter if Twitter thinks he's a good coach. Rodolfo Burrell has worked with some of the best coaches in the world. He knows what a good coach looks like. He knows what a young good coach looks like because he's seen a lot of these guys grow up. And so I think like if if Josh Wolf is like uh, a blossoming genius and is just struggling to put it together, I think Burrell will be able to see that. If Josh Wolf is a fraud, I think Burrell will be able to see that and like be able to make that decision over the next six months to a year. And like I, I have... a I like take a lot of comfort in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think this is when I talked to earlier about this being a move that was like sort of beyond what I thought the ambition of the club might be. Like the fact that Anthony Precourt was willing to go outside of his circle and outside of his comfort zone to hire a supporting director. Like I have to believe <laughs> he's going to trust the sporting director's opinions. And so, yeah, I don't. Hopefully, Wolf is the guy and Austin doesn't have to restart, like rebuild a roster and hire a coach. But I think you're right. I, I, I trust the new sporting director to make that decision in a way that's like objective and based upon what he knows. And I feel a lot more comfortable at whatever Wolf's future is beyond the end of the season after this hire. One other thing that I remembered after all this is wasn't Anthony Precourt posting pictures from, was it the champions league final? What game was he at that Manchester city was playing? Oh yeah. Well, he posted pictures from Barcelona too at random. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, he was a, he was a Man City game too, so it's probably it's a pretty like, good chance I, I those was things were connected. It's like, yeah, it's like a rich guy who can afford to go to this huge game, and so he went. But like maybe he was doing other yeah, stuff. He was there doing too. A little, <laughs> yeah, doing a little homework too. Yeah, I'd love to hear the story about how the story that we will never the story we will never know about how this, how this guy happened? was found and <laughs> yeah, and how he came to town. We, oh, we should we can ask new senior vice president of marketing Ryan Madden because he also got a promotion this week about there that. You go. And we will probably get no answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on Burrell before we take a break, Jeremiah? Oh, let's go ahead and take a break. All right. Hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. 
FEF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community transparency and client education. And I want to send a shout out to our friend, Caitlin Mancuso, the uh, marketing director at FEF Law, because I happen to see her after an awesome FC game. So they're just, they're like good people and lawyers and obviously fans of the game. And it was super cool to see Caitlin and committing on air to sending her a scarf. So hopefully <laughs> when they listen, they'll, I'll get a reminder to do that. You can go to fef.law to find out what makes FEF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fef.law. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees. Are you a millennial, Landon? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty firmly okay. a millennial. All right, so we're, so this is, we're, talk, we're talking about you right now. And this works out to six Austin FC game tickets per person per year in fees. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. That's right. I, I actually bank at a credit union and don't pay any fees. Nice. I love it. <laughs> Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more, go to www.goamplify.com slash moontower. All right, we are back. We are going to recap the Inter-Miami match that ended 1-1 on Saturday. This was not a good game. (laughs) No, for nobody. (laughs) This is not... This is one of those games, like, if you have friends that you're trying to convince to fall in love with this league and fall in love with this sport, hopefully you did not choose the Austin versus Inter-Miami game on Saturday night to convince them of that because, yeah, it was not great i struggled a little bit with like staying engaged um in it but we're going to talk about it for a little bit anyhow austin did not have get even very many shots off period um even fewer on goal the passing was really sloppy the defending was disorganized and sloppy it was like at, at the very end of the game they hold up the added time sign and it says nine for some reason. I don't know why they were there were nine, but Josh Wolf and Davey Arno, they like instantly cut to a close up oh, yeah. Davey Arno's face. And he was like livid that they were adding nine minutes and was yelling at the fourth official. And at that point, I was like, I would be mad too, because like when I understand, like you want to try to win a game if you can, but in that situation, when you're playing that poorly and you're this close to to stealing a point on the road, like you want that game to be over now. And yeah, so to see that nine go up was was pretty nerve wracking. <laughs> well, do you want to, I did see some criticism online of that on Twitter about this being like a team that lacked ambition when you're playing the worst team in the Eastern Conference and being angry about having extra time on the clock. If that game's going differently, sure, but... We are playing terrible. We are not good. It did not look like we were going to score another goal. And so I I would have been praying for the whistle at that point. I would have not cared about another goal. I would be more worried about them scoring a goal. Yeah, and I haven't looked at a little momentum chart from FOTMOB, which is usually pretty revealing, but I feel like, okay, now I'm looking at it. From like 70 on, it is all Miami. And Brad Stuver had a team of the week performance. Uh, or team of the match there, whatever performance, which is the only thing that kept Austin this game because Miami was also like piling on X goal in the second half. Like at some point, 
it was really, really close, and both teams were below one. But you know, all the good chances late in the match were for Miami, and Brad Stuver made some really good saves late in the match from some dangerous positions. So, yeah, Austin lucky to escape with the one-one uh, draw, and also no, no, no harm done in terms of the table. So Austin entered that match eighth in the West, combined with this result and some other results. Austin leaves this match eighth in the West. Um, so not a beautiful performance, but not one that does damage to like what Austin's doing long-term. Yeah. Um, I, looking at this game, like parts of this, I, I was, uh, saw a friend of the show, Brian Parker the other day. And he was like, as I hadn't seen him in a while. And sometimes when I hadn't seen somebody in a while, they'll just ask me like, what's wrong with them? Like, why are they bad? <laughs> And this game, like, I feel like something, tell me if you agree with this or disagree with this, because it could be way off, but this game, it felt like it highlighted to me what is wrong with this team. Cause like this game felt like in a lot of ways, like a game that could have happened in 2022. Um, as far as like the shape we were playing, uh, the fact that we were pressing and getting beat and then getting roasted on counterattacks pretty regularly a lot and like there's a lot of games last year where we would not get that many shots off and we'd sneak one in or a, a moment of brilliance would happen and we'd end up winning anyway. And the difference here is like in those games last year, Diego Fagundes was almost always really good. Sebastian Giussi was never bad and you could almost always count on him for a moment of brilliance. And I feel like Fagundes was fine at best for most of this game. I thought Driussi had a few moments of brilliance, but outside of that was actually quite poor at times that that's going to make it different. Like I, I hate to, to be this guy, but like all the regression to the mean people on Twitter, like saying like Austin was never good. Like Austin was good as long as those two guys were good, but when they're not like it drops the level of this team a lot. And so if, Everyone had a bad game. I'm not going to blame it just on those two guys, but those two guys could save games last year. And Brad Stuver, Brad Stuver did his job. <laughs> he, he did what Brad Stuver always does. But like when you have Stuver and Fagundes and Juicy all performing, everyone else can have a terrible game and it sometimes doesn't matter. And that did not happen the other night. Everyone was bad. Well, that, yeah, and that points back to the midweek press conference, or maybe it was the post game, anyhow, whatever. It was coming out of last week. Um, Juicy talked about how Austin, like this last week, Houston Dallas was like a result of their success because they went back to doing things that were familiar, sort of in the shape and a style that was familiar to them. And they succeeded in that. And to your point, like they there was a familiar lineup, there's a familiar style, and you know, the things that just the magic that would happen just didn't happen. It's funny you mentioned that. I don't know if I think we keep our own player notes, but like my specific player on Drew's, he was like Drew's, he was pretty bad, but still had a couple special moments, which yeah. I feel is like it's exact is exactly what you just said. Um, but yeah, I think that was for whatever reason last year, there was like individual brilliance that could bail Austin, not bail Austin out, but they were set up to like succeed based upon individual brilliance. They just have not been that way this year and um, paid for it with the results uh, this week. So I guess like stats wise, this is not surprising. Miami leads possession shots, shots on targets, X goals. Um, we've talked about all that, that which is you, like you said, like a little bit about 2022. Um, so lineup was probably the exact same lineup we expected it to be right. So it's Stuver, Gallagher, Rink, Escante, Lima, 
Barrera, Wolf, Fagundis, Rusi, Finley, Zardes. Like it's the same. What's this? Three matches in a row that Austin's had the same lineup. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was Ring Ferrado. Oh, uh, sorry, yeah, change, yeah, Ring. But every, yeah. everyone else that is was the a same. change. Yeah, everyone else is the same. So there's some consistency, um, and it just doesn't pay off uh, throughout throughout the evening. Yeah, so going through some of the like the big moments of this game, Julio Cascante almost scores a goal in the 14th minute. This is uh they play a short corner and ends up with a cross being played in from Danny Pereira, a really nice cross where this is a look they go for a lot, right? Is they'll put all the big guys on the back side of the six yard box, try to play a ball into that area, head it back across goal and have somebody crashing on the other side. And it finds Cascante. It's a little bit long in like towards the inline there, but he's able to get onto it and like strangely able to like kind of curl it from the touchline there. And it hits the inside of the far post and bounces out. And there's three Austin players there, but it just kind of squeaks between all of them. They didn't have time to respond. Uh, but that could I thought changed. that was going to be a goal. I think it's, that was good. that's the one that he scores a lot, right? Like that's his signature yeah, offensive contribution. And I was like, this is one of those I started to jump up off the couch and then realized that it bounced out. And to Josh Wolf's like constant refrain, that goal would have changed that game. I have no doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the first goal comes in the 47th minute. This is Joseph Martinez. Uh, Martinez had a lot of really dangerous moments in this game. Brad Stuver was able to stop a few of those single-handedly. Uh, but this one, it's a cross coming in from the right side. Alex Ring goes up to try to head it, misses it. Julio Cascante is there and I think is caught a little bit off guard because he expected ring to get it and then wolf and cascante end up there and it neither of them are able to react and get to it and it falls between them falls to joseph martinez like seven yards out like he's not missing that like he's, he's not, not gonna, gonna miss it. it and stuver is no way he's gonna save it if it's placed even kind of well and it was and that was one of those like you don't see this a lot where just like when the ball came off martinez's foot stuver's like oh yeah i'm long yeah. I'm, like he didn't even he barely moved because he knew he was a beat and you don't see that very often but it was just like so obvious um, in that moment, so I see a lot of criticism of the defense and a lot of this pointing toward, you know, how Austin needs to do something differently overall. And Tom Bogert or Tom talking about how Austin should not have Alex Ring at center back. It's like, we know Tom. And like, right, <laughs> it's not what we want. But ultimately, it's one goal again. It's one goal from the worst team in the Eastern Conference. I feel like. Austin did not lose because Joseph Martinez was in the right place at the right time and scored one goal. Not lose, but like there were plenty of opportunities. It could have been like Austin could have won otherwise than that. Like this is not a game that was, this not should have been, this is not a match that should have been on the defense or on Brad Stuber. I think to be fair, Austin could have lost in several other moments too, though. For sure. Okay. That's true. <laughs> that's true. We can talk about those too. <laughs> um, Austin is able to equalize not long after that goal, 51st minute. Uh, I cannot remember how this play starts. What was the, do you remember what happened? How does the ball get to Lima? Well, um, I know how it gets to Lima. I don't remember how it gets to Driussi. Because oh, Driussi no. No, no, gets no. it on the far side, cuts inside, takes a shot, and it bounces off a player's chest, falls backside to Lima. Nick Lima takes a nice little touch to set it up in front of him. And then there's like, there's like subtle little things that soccer players do sometimes that we like take for granted. And I feel like a guy like Drew C or like some of the, the higher level players in this league or in other leagues, they do these subtle little things that 
like are the difference in what they do. And I think these things stand out a little more when you see a player who's not on those levels or like a player you aren't used well, to seeing do stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, because you, you see the effort, right? You can see like Drew, does these like, like, do you see Rabona almost assist? Like, I didn't even realize it in the moment because he's just like so slick and smooth. Yeah. Um, but look at a guy's like having to work to do the things. You notice the things. Yeah. So Nick Lima takes a nice little touch to set, set himself up for the shot. And then as he's approaching the ball, he kind of tracks where the defender is approaching him and just kind of like shifts his hips and opens his hips up. And so he can like kind of hit that curler uh, just inside the near post and he hits it perfectly. Like, Credit to Nick Lima. I we, I was watching with some friends and it was like, Nick just needs to be a little bit closer to be able to shoot accurately, I guess, because we're used to seeing him take those, those <laughs> yeah, from, screamers from, from 25 yeah. yards out. Uh, but yeah, really, really nicely taken goal by Nick Lima there. And so this, this, this is the one part of the game where I felt like Austin had a chance to, to pull it out, right? So this is like about 50 to 70 or so. Like Austin's pretty much on the front foot. Um, there's that goal. There's some other chances. There's the, like I said, there's this beautiful Drewsy pass to Diego that Diego does not make a lot out of. Um, a little bit later on, Julio, I think, had another shot off a set piece, off a header that had a decent opportunity. Um, but it's, it all, like, it's all pretty low percentage chances uh, just based on the XG, uh, not on memory, because I can't remember everything that happened. But... Yeah. Um, but still, that, that, that this was the high point of the game. Like we're at that point of the game where I thought Austin might end up pulling out a two, end up pulling out a two nil victory, and then like I just feel like everybody's legs got tired, and the game got into a mess and disorganized. And I love the guy, but Kip Keller came in and sort of made things interesting on the he defensive almost side gave of the ball. Like, he stepped. Uh, and Kip Keller showed like it was a very Kip Keller game in that he did a lot of really good things that like with his his aggressiveness and his athleticism was able to do things that there's other guys on the team who are not capable of. And like that shines, but then he's also like the, the complete lack of polish that some of the other guys have on our team. It makes like some of the most simple mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. That he does not have. So he steps and wins the ball and like just misses it. And the ball slips behind him and they turn and get a shot, like pretty much a wide open shot on goal like little things like that, whenever they're pressing us and there's two guys bearing down on him, like in those moments, Julio Cascante, like, like take a pump fake or like take a touch wide and play a, play a cross field pass. No problem. He never breaks a sweat. And Kip Keller looks like he is about to explode when that stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But to your point on the other side, there was like a moment where he just had to like run at a dead sprint back to defend. And he was yeah, faster than I had any, he was the fastest guy on the, on the like in that part of the field, like more than I ever saw. And like later on, like late in the game when he kind of seemed to settle in, like had a pretty good performance, but it's just, I mean, I hope these are like his shortcomings or things that with time and experience and coaching that he can get out of. Cause like the raw tools are there, but there's plenty of players that raw tools were there for, and they never develop. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, we said, so we're pretty pleased by the end of this one to get out one, one, but I mean, we were kind of hoping to come away with more than that against this team. Cause Miami has been very bad. Um, yeah. And yeah, but they, well, they lost like seven in a row or something. Seven like league before. games in a row. I think they'd had some, some, uh, cup victories in there, like in that time span, but seven league losses in a row. And, uh, I, we'll talk a little bit with Jaime Macias about this, uh, in the, 
in the Minnesota preview, but against Dallas and Houston, we had been sitting back a little bit and try, kind of doing like this mid block press where we're just like squeezing the middle and not like not letting teams play through the middle and letting the center backs have time on the ball, letting them try to play wide stuff or stuff over the top. And against Miami, we kind of started off doing that, but then I don't know if this was by the plan or if the players were, were being a little too aggressive and not, not pressing high um, together, but we were stepping high pretty regularly and then getting beat pretty regularly. And then as we were attacking, we would get caught out on counters pretty regularly. And like, it's, it's a thing we had been doing better about. And this game, it was a complete like reverted back to what we look like 2021 and 2022 in trying to press, which is often not very good. Yeah. Um, Another guy that did not have a very good night, Jesse Zardes, after having strung together some pretty solid performances. I think it was pretty weak. He was kind of he was kind of slow. There's some opportunities that he didn't take advantage of. Again, Maxi Ruti did not like really improve the form of things when he came back in. I, and, I like, think to, in fairness to both to of those guys, we are struggling to get it into that part of the field in an organized manner. And so I think if you look at like the little passing network thing that that they put on the stats page on MLSsoccer.com that like I don't think there's a, a line to Zardes. <laughs> and so yeah, like w- yeah, I I I agree. Like I think in the moments where he got a chance, he wasn't great. But also like there were times when like Danny Pereira would just pass it directly to a defender, or like a lot of stupid moments like that where like Zardes was never going to have a chance to do anything good. And so like, yeah, I, I, I agree he was bad, but like, I just think everyone was. Yeah. I think you're, you're probably right. So do you think there's anything about it's like, it was, again, it was a soggy field. It's a rainy night. Do you think there's anything about the way Austin? 75% humidity as well. Do you think there's anything about the way that Austin plays that, that, that that works against Austin? Trying to press like like that. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to press like that. Right. Yeah. So I, my suggestion would just be don't <laughs> <laughs> just play that mid block and play the count. Cause Austin's had like a weather. Um, what was that? Uh, the Dallas game, right? I'm sure wasn't there, but like the field was super soggy. I would imagine like a lot of the same environmental components that were there for the Miami game are probably also true in that game. And that was so they played a different style in there, but yeah, they just do not seem to do well. That's why Austin has been pretty bad in rain delay games. Usually. Um, yeah, and it doesn't like, do well with that kind of that kind of field. Jaime will allude to this a little bit in the preview, but talking about like offense and defense are very much connected, and like w- like the high press feeds into what Wolf wants to do offensively. And I understand like you're not wanting to to like sacrifice those things for one another, but like if you're bad at it. <laughs> Like our players aren't good at pressing and we've shown that like they've, they've had bright spots of pressing over the last two and a half years, but have never shown that they're great at it. And I thought they looked solid against granted a really poor and rotated Dallas team, but still a decent, a decent Houston team in good form. And it looked good against that team too. So I would, I would really like to see more of that, but who knows? All right. Is there any other players you want to talk about specifically? Um, I mean, let's I say, so. somebody, I, somebody who played well, like otherwise I have another criticism of Emiliano Rigoni, which is not going to be unique, but uh, that's fine. I mean, yeah, we can, let's talk about Rigoni. 
Um, what what are your thoughts? He just seems like he's. My thought is he seems like he's getting worse. Like he he almost never touched the ball. Um, these like crosses that I thought like, oh man, these are dangerous crosses. And if we could just get players on the ro- on the front of them or like in the right spot on the ball, like that was going to lead to results. Like I just don't. I feel like I feel like they're flatter. I feel like they're less dangerous. I feel like he's less effective um, at corners. Like he almost convinced me that short corners are good after our debate last week from watching <laughs> him like try ineffectively to like loop in you know cor- like swinging in corners um so yeah i don't know there's just like something not right i don't know if it's his head or if he's just like not that good but i think he's gone backwards over the last few weeks yeah i a couple of things that that i think about Rigoni is i've noticed like so a his best games came when we were playing in that like box midfield where he was more playing this was in the wingers don't exist era of austin fc where he was playing as an attacking midfielder tucked in on the left-hand side. That is where he played, or maybe I don't, was he on the right-hand side? Or the, I don't remember tucked into one of those attacking mid spots. That's where he had his best games was playing there in that like intern, like inside role and going back out wide again, where he's the one providing like the length and the width in the attack. He looked not good in it last season as they were trying to, bring him in he was okay in it early this season and now that we're back to that i think he looks bad in that spot again which maybe shouldn't be a surprise at this point but another thing is like i thought that even when in that stretch where he was playing pretty well the games that he started where he was able to get touches early and kind of build into the game i feel like he was better than when he came on as a sub and sometimes i think he like tries to be the hero a little bit coming on as a sub especially when he had a little bit of confidence going there um but again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think just like the overall disjointedness of the attack wasn't helping. But I think like combine that with being in a position he hasn't played much and like is probably not as good at. And then also being a guy who who maybe needs to like build into a game a little bit like that leads to what we're seeing now. And this is by no means an excuse for Emiliano Ragoni, because when you come in to an MLS team as a designated player, People are going to expect you to be able to step on the field at any time in any like reasonable position and be able to perform at least to a certain level. And he is not doing that. I don't have anything to say beyond that. So let's let's put this game behind us. Maybe let's move Gladly. on to the interview and uh, we'll move on to the interview. We'll talk about next week. Close it out. All right. Well, hang tight. We'll be right back with Jaime Macias to preview the Minnesota game. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Covert Ford. The Coverts have been make, meeting the needs of local car buyers for 114 years because of their service, financial expertise, and support after the sale. In addition to supporting car buyers, Covert's an important part of the soccer community and the official automotive partner of Austin FC. And they recently put Maxi Ruti in a Ford Bronco, which we're going to say we sold to him. You know what, Landon? Sadly, I ran into the general manager of Covert Ford at the game on Saturday <laughs> oh. and I asked him if that was our Ford Bronco and he said no. So either Joseph Cahas is a liar, which maybe is true, or it wasn't our Ford Bronco. But right now, you can get a deal on a 2023 Ford Edge, stock number 223-0394. It's a MSRP of $41,000 with a dealer discount. It can be yours for only $34,391. With approved Ford credit, you can get it for 2.9% APR over 48 months or 3.9% over 60 months. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, be sure to check out covertford.com. 
Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. Thanks to Sage Wilson Realty, we'll be giving away two tickets to an upcoming match. So fill out the form in the show notes to enter for your chance to win. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Realty. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. All right. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Jaime Macias, uh, match analyst for MLS season pass. Jaime, thanks for joining us, man. Anytime, guys. A pleasure talking about soccer with you. Um, so we're going to preview the upcoming Minnesota United match. You're not going to be on that call, but you've been in studio for these games. You've been uh, paying attention to these teams and sort of familiar with them. Minnesota currently 11th in the West, but they've been missing some pieces. We'll get into that in a second. I think the, the last time Austin played against them was May 31st. Austin won 2-1 with goals from John Gallagher, Sebastian Driussi, uh, I feel like Austin did not play well that game and still kind of lucked out with the victory. And as I mentioned before, Minnesota's coming in a lot stronger. They have Babelo Reynoso back. Temu uh, Puki is joining the team, might be available on Saturday. Uh, is is this team going to be a completely different team than what Austin saw earlier in the season? Uh, I think so. Like, uh on terms of, um, I don't know if Puki is going to play, but I, I believe that in the long run, Puki is going to is going to be one of those uh, Carlos Vela, uh, Jose Martinez, Cucho Hernandez caliber of player that that can make a statement on on the league. And it's kind of the the the, the characteristics of the of the main striker that have been successful in the league in the last couple of years. Somebody that had been positioned himself in 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 a team that has been playing between the first and second division of one of the top leagues in in Europe uh and that has enough quality to to, to make a difference right away in, in the league so that's going to be a different team but the, the simple fact that Reynoso is there we're talking about a, a different uh, a different team in terms of he being the the playmaker he commanding the team and the other thing is that in this asymmetrical calendar that MLS has uh let's not forget that Minnesota is the team that has played the most away games oh wow in the west so when you see the standings you see okay well this team is 11 yeah but they also have played 11 games away in comparison to just eight at home and this is one of the teams that didn't play in the two uh, match dates that were played during the fifa break so also has two games less than most of the team so it's it's a it's a context of on why a team is in that position well, so have you assume you've been to Minnesota? Talk about the difference maybe between that team on the home at home and on the road and like that environment in that stadium. Because I've been to a couple of games there. Like it's kind of electric. It's electric. It's electric. Yeah. And and, and I think that this is a team that that suffers a lot the beginning of the season play at home. Uh, because it's not an advantage playing in that call in that in that freezing temperature, right? But once we get into the summer, they start getting in rhythm, they start getting in momentum. Um the, the other thing that and and this is uh, a, a good and a bad thing for 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 Austin, right? There is a certain time of st- type of style that suits Minnesota better, uh, and that's kind of what Austin plays, right? Minnesota is a team that sits back, that invites you to come forward, that that uh, 
push your push your center backs or force your center backs to play closer to the middle of the pitch and then they contra-attack uh very very rapidly uh Reynoso is key on that long ball for 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 the offensive transition and he was not in, in that first game so yeah uh I, I think that now being being that that a team with those characteristics again and I've seen very offensive, very dynamic. It's kind of the team that suits, suits them the better on 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 the one on one. Yeah, Reese. Uh, for a big stretch of the season, Austin was playing with uh, a back five. They pushed mm-hmm. the the wing backs really high, but still had three deep most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped. Austin has been a team that's been vulnerable to counterattacks like that. And I think they were a little bit stronger with that back three. They've now switched to a back four, I think partially due to personnel and not having that many center backs, but yeah. also yeah. to fit Juicy into the team a little bit better. Um, I am honestly concerned about having guys like Longuane and Minder Garcia stretching that back line with Reynoso back in this team because he will find them. Like if there is a path for them to run onto the ball, he's going to find them. And so like, is there anything Austin can do to differently to fix that or just like be better, be faster? Oh, and Longuan is one of the surprises of the season, right? I think that we have discovered his quality and how good he is yeah. with uh, the games that he had been playing. Like we, we didn't, like we're talking about Timo Puki and we have a lot of expectation of what he's going to be able to do. But, but I don't think that when Longuan arrived, we were thinking, okay, this guy is, is going to lead. The, the, is going to be a dangerous player. It's going to be a clay, a key offensive player for 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 them. So, um, that that that's uh, that's one of the surprise weapons they they have. Uh, the other thing in in Austin, and, and probably you, you have it more clear than me. And for example, last game they play they played four at the back, but Ring was one of the center back. So yeah, you, you were talking about the the lack of personnel and and how. A lot of uh, Wolves lineups in in the recent games, it's not the team he he dream of. It's the team the team he can pl- put on the field, right? Yeah. Uh, on terms of players being available between international duties and and a lot of injuries. But sorry that, that I'm going too too long. But it, no, you're fine. The, I love how how Austin played last season, but and and for me. I'm jumping from from different teams, right? But but when we see how exhausted is LAFC with a deeper squad than Austin, a team that play kind of the same same style, uh, for me that's my biggest question. For example, with San Luis, uh, is San Luis going to be able to 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 hold this rhythm through the 34 games of the regular season plus plus the postseason? And and I think that Austin is still struggling on how intense their their game is from from last season like it, yeah. it, it, they're still they're still struggling what's a positive once you get the pieces together once you come back from the break from the league's cup and those international breaks in october if the team is in form and it, and it fits in playoff positions we know this is a quality team that can win games you don't have to dominate the season to win mls cup so so that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm thinking on, on Austin on the on the long run. Yeah, you kind of hit on the 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 advantage of Major League Soccer, right? Is like as long as you can make it to the playoffs, it doesn't really matter anything that's happened in the 34 games leading up to that. You just just survive and get there and get hot at the right time. And I think Austin's position to do that because of the system, and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And, and for example, um, 
the for example the that that New England team that broke the record of points on a season they they were eliminated in the first round of playoff right and for example last year I think that if LAFC push at the end of the regular season they will break that number of points too but it was not worth it it, it, it was not a prize to 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 gain over there right um, and and they just build up and says okay we're gonna win the supporter shield. Yeah almost lost it but they 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 were they knew they have an advantage and they prefer a fitted team and a rested team for the playoff that a record breaking team during the regular season all right well um any other thoughts on Minnesota versus Austin Jaime it's going to be a clash of styles that that that's uh um, th- that's what i see and and you know when 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 you have a clash of style when you have teams that are Op- uh, opposite styles. Usually, you get level games, right? Because everybody's being able to play the game they they want. Everybody's is comfortable. Like you see, like for example, the Minnesota Portland, two teams that play kind of the same style. Uh, some one is going to be very uncomfortable because the other one is being able to play that that type of game, and we end up with a four one, right? These ones are are more level teams, uh, uh, level games. It's, it's very hard to to find somebody outscoring the other team. It's going to be a a, a, a game for for small details, and um, and and I think that unlucky for Austin, it's probably if facing Minnesota in the the best form during the season. That yeah, there is a big context we talk about, but it's also their best moment on on the season. Which I believe it's Austin too, right? I, I think that Austin starts showing some, some, some signs of what it was the team from last season in in the yeah. It, it's a it's a low bar, but I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's better, what I mean. Better. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's getting better. Like I, I think that the best, the best Austin we've seen is 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 the June Austin. I don't know if you have a different opinion, but I, probably the, the the Austin from June has been the most consistent team from the season. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, one other point, you, you mentioned the, the clash of styles. One thing that Austin did in that Copa Tejas match week where they played Dallas and Houston that I had personally liked is they were not pressing as high and sitting back and making mm-hmm. Dallas, like not letting them play through the middle and trying to play balls over the top, trying not to let them counter as much because those teams have hurt us with those things. I would really like to see them try that against Minnesota because they they tried to press Miami a little too much, I thought, and they we got punished for it a lot. Yeah. And so I know Josh Wolf wants to press, but I don't know that this team is built for it, and I don't know that we can stop teams doing that. So I'd honestly like to see him try to sit back a little bit against Minnesota. And uh, when, when your system turns around pressing, right? So sometimes you... you um if you are not pressing that high, the system does not work, and the team right. big, start to be erratic. And and we go to the to the to the toll the team is paying from last season. Uh, it's not that the players don't want to press. Sometimes their body is not letting them press as as, as intense as they could do it last season. So there's nothing more dangerous than trying to be a team that uh, that consistently press high during 90 minutes and 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 the squad is not physically fitted to doing that it's it's like this is not gonna happen right but it's better to sit to sit back and wait than trying to press high and fail in the process of pressing high because you're you are you're basically um 
giving your strain your strain away. So yeah, uh, I think that that that's one of the the, the the weakest points on us in this season. It's a team that it's it, it's uh, consistent with their model. It's consistent on doing the things that uh, achieve a lot of things for for them last season. But I think that between not being at the same physical point that and all the players that are, are out or have been out during the season, the team is not being able to round it during 90 minutes because we have seen certain moments during the games where the, where the team is, 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 is bright, but not rounded during 90 minutes. Yeah. And, and, and probably that's a, that, that's one of the biggest talking points. I don't know guys know more than me and what the talking points are in Austin, but I think from my side, that, that's one of the most talking, talking points of being able to round that brilliance during 90 minutes. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, uh, Jeremiah, anything else before we wrap up? No, I think we're good, Jamie. Thanks for uh, giving us time. Or Jaime, sorry. Thanks for giving us time. No way. And, uh, <laughs> wait, I was going to ask, where are you? Looks like, are you on the road somewhere? Ah, oh, man, I'm in, the, I'm, in, I'm in Boston now, but... Uh, um, because I'm I'm in a summer program with with my son here, uh, but it's been like uh, a crazy crazy traveling week. Uh, I was in New York on the studio on Saturday. Uh, I called the game on Sunday. Uh, I'm going back to New York for a studio tomorrow. I'm calling the the New York City Wednesday, the only game that's been played Wednesday, and the, the weekend I'm going to Toronto. Uh, and then I got two New England games, so which <laughs> I can't just drive. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah travels then, man. Yeah, Jeremiah sympathizes. I think there's like four or five shows in a row that Jeremiah did from a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Like I and and and, and especially especially this this um, especially this year <laughs> because yeah. the, the 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 for for my personal podcast, like our, our studio was in, during the World Cup was built in a hotel room. In, in Doha, so so <laughs> we're used to to hotel internet and 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 trying to to make uh, hotel rooms look good. All right, well, Jaime, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, yeah, we look forward to to seeing more of your coverage over the year. Anytime, guys, a pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Jaime Macias one more time for joining us. That was also a very last minute thing for both he and us. And so glad we were able to make it work, but uh, also grateful for Jaime for doing it last minute. Um, so you guys say, yeah, if, you, if you're like, gosh, Jaime sounds like he knew about this 15 minutes before he went on the air. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Which He's makes it even more impressive gracious. to be able to pull all of that out of his head with no prep. So thank you. Uh, a couple of things we did not get to in that preview were some injuries from Minnesota. So they're missing. I know a lot of Austin fans like to look at these availability reports. This is the one from last week. I know this one's not out yet, but quite a few guys will likely be missing this next game as well. And so Robin Ludd is a guy who's been, I think he was out and then back in is out again. Now Uh, one of their better players when he's healthy, Joseph Rosales, who started, I think on the left wing last time Austin played them is out. Kamar Lawrence, uh, is international duty. Dane St. Clair's on international duty. Uh, and then Franco Fragapani was questionable last week. I'm not sure if he's expected to be back or not, but um, quite a few guys out, but like I, there's maybe not any reason. For I was going to ask. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's like, so there's a lot of guys out, but like when we were talking about this earlier, like, well, that guy's out, but this guy's better than him. And that guy's out. And this guy's just as good. So I think we ultimately, 
what what you would say is like do not read too much in the amount of players being out and what that means as far as the quality that Minnesota is going to be able to put on the field. Yeah, because um, Fragapane started as their 10 last time. They now have Emmanuel Reynoso back. That, that's an upgrade. Uh, the left winger was Rosales. Sungbin Jong has, has been starting for them, and I think he had just joined them not long before our last game. was maybe out with injury or something. Um, but he is the guy who they expected to be the starter there. Uh, and then I think Clint Irwin will likely be the goalkeeper with St. Clair out. And that that's a, an MLS vet. Like he's not as good as, as St. Clair, but as, as second string MLS goalkeepers go, that's about as good as you can hope for. And so like, yeah, you're like Austin fans may see this list, but they're still going to be a pretty good team and a better team than we saw last time. All yeah, right. We, um, talked, we talked, I was going to say, we talked last time about them being built around Reynoso and how like him not being around maybe had such a big, that's a big difference on like, the results well and he's there yeah. so all those other things like fall into place all he's right. already scored three goals in like what in the month of june i think yeah <laughs> uh all right before we wrap up we'd like to remind you to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts um we greatly appreciate seeing those new reviews come in it makes us feel feel good about ourselves uh if you want to continue the conversation come find us on twitter at lvhero87 and jbentley underscore atx and then uh, we encourage you to sign up for the Patreon and also um, to visit the Striker website. And Jeremiah, what should folks know about the Striker? Well, there's a great article this week. Uh, Phil West is probably one of the most underappreciated voices in American soccer, not just because he's a friend of ours and he's going to make me eat hot wings because of how bad, I, how bad <laughs> of a job it is drafting a, a team. But, but Phil has a great MLS notebook that talks about the Gold Cup, um, everything that's going on in the league has a link to this uh, insane Tiago Almada goal. Uh, if you haven't watched that yet uh, from Atlanta this week, so just a really good overview of sort of what's going on with the league as a whole um, and a great way to keep up, up with that from an awesome perspective. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will be back next week to review the Minnesota match and then preview Vancouver and SKC and then cover any news that happens. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.